Welcome to the Mobilized Podcast. We equip Christ followers to boldly and courageously live mobilized in their faith, purpose, and life. Let's join James and Nicole. Hey guys, and welcome back to another incredible episode of Mobilized in Faith, Purpose, and Life. And today we've got a good one lined up, right? I am so excited for this one. Yeah, my name is Nicole. My husband James is with me here today. In the house. As always, he brings the wisdom, the looks, (laughs) and makes me laugh the entire time. So I've been told many times I have a face for podcasts. (laughs) I'm living up to that. Nicole brings the beauty and the brains. Oh, please. It's true, though. It's so true. Uh, Today, we have an incredible um, topic because hindsight is amazing, isn't it? It's like when you read the Bible. It's actually been said it's 2020. It's, (laughs) which is exactly where we're going. James, that was good. That was legit. We didn't even practice that. That was legit. Well done, my love. We're going to go back to 2020 and what it revealed about the church. And when I mean the church, I mean the capital C church, the Mm -hmm. body of Christ. It revealed a whole lot about us. And we're far enough from it now where we can look back and we're close enough to the next disaster that Mm -hmm. it can help us, right? That's true. I mean, wisdom is learning from the past. Exactly. So that you don't repeat the mistakes made in the past. And I know tons of people, primarily in ministry, who are no longer in ministry that I mean, they just, they got fried during that season. And I can remember even sitting down with you Mm -hmm. in our mobilized meetings and really looking at how things took a wild shift and a hard turn, not a gradual, you know, sometimes GPS, you know, Nicole gets mad because she doesn't like (laughs) other women to tell me what to do. That's right. But the woman's voice on the GPS will say, a turn right. And she says, don't tell him what to do. Don't you talk to my husband that way? Sometimes it'll say take a right, or it'll say bear right. One of these things I pictured is it it wasn't a gradual bear right. It Mm -hmm. was a hard shift. I mean, almost felt like a 180 and like you hit a brick wall. And it it shocked a lot of people. I mean, it it shook them to their core. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity. And and as Nicole and I were discussing that we could hop in our our DeLorean, strap in our seatbelt, and get this thing up to 88 miles an hour and go back to 2020 and look at some of the lessons that we learned um, because they're they're valuable. And again, if you just really pay attention, a lot of it's coming back again. And so we need to be ready. Yeah. So absolutely. fire up your flux capacitor. Here we go. <laughs> you just totally aged yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> look, it's a classic. It is a classic. It is a classic that we watch. Every few years, start at the beginning of the first movie and watch them Every all. Every November 5th, because yeah. wasn't that the date he dialed in yes. the uh, control panel? The first when Doc fell off his toilet and <laughs> came up with it, and then it was <laughs> that was some kind of pivotal point in time. So <laughs> that's always fun to watch the trilogy. Yes, it is. I, I, watch, I watch you more than actually watch the movie, because you are awesome to watch. You just, your face lights up. It's incredible. It's good times. Okay. So we've identified, and we're going to scratch the surface here because it is so deep and wide, right? The, what we've learned. Um, but, but let's talk about three and they're not so much individual points as they're intertwined Mm -hmm. for sure. And one of them is just our individual relationships with God. Yeah. It, 
shown, it just revealed every shadow, every um, weakness. It revealed everything about our relationship with God, right? Yeah. In a nutshell, it just like, boom, this is who you are with God. This is where you are with God. This is what you know about God. This is how much you trust God. It revealed everything about where we are with God. The second one is how much we relied on our pastors. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. We didn't even realize it. And the third one is our need for Jesus. Our need for Jesus. Not not even in the day-to-day things. I mean, we need Jesus every day, right? You see that that meme that goes all over the place like you need meme you need meme you need Jesus just to go to Walmart you know mm-hmm. like it it's not even just in the day to day things but it is in our lives it's for our future it's for our present it's for tragedy it's for hardship it's for the good the bad and the ugly it's for everything and we've kind of compartmentalized Jesus in our lives yeah we're like okay everything's good so I'm gonna thank him everything's bad so I need something from him I'm at church so I'll worship him like we've compartmentalized him and put him in these little boxes Mm -hmm. depending where we are in life or what we're doing or what day of the week it is and what we found is that we just need Jesus like we have to seek Jesus. We have to search for him. We have to run after him. We have to know him and not just know about him. Yeah. That's I mean, it's supposed to be a full um, pursuit of Christ. Right. Uh, I mean, that's what the Christian life is supposed to be. And to your point, we as Christians think we're living in the light, but 2020 shined a spotlight on the fact that there are a lot of dark corners that yes. we weren't addressing and it, it wasn't a full pursuit of Jesus. Like you said, it was, um, I, I want enough Jesus to feel good about myself. But a lot of it we had, you know, uh, subcontracted out to the clergy. Right. Um, we had really become a culture of biblically illiterate Christians. Right. Um, so when it came to what do we really believe and what is our faith really built on, people's foundations were really crumbling. They weren't built on anything solid. And that was scary. Right. I think so many saw that their relationship with God was really just their pastor's relationship with God. Yeah. So they were learning, you you go to church, what what the average person goes to church once every three weeks. Yep. Right. So once every three weeks. That's the committed. That's the committed. committed. You're right. You're right. Most are more Easter and Christmas, maybe Mother's Day if she guilts you really nice. Yeah, and these are professed Christians. Yes, correct. The ones who say they follow Jesus, accepted him, believe him, and follow him. Yeah. Go once every three weeks. Yeah. And their relationship is solid on whatever the pastor is teaching them. Mm-hmm. What are the pastors teaching them? So 2020 hits, everything gets shut down. We live in New York, so um, <clears throat> we got to deal with a lot of the crazy, crazy. I mean, our... We had a front row seat yes, to the yes. action. We were in, as they say at SeaWorld, in the splash zone. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like to tell people that our uh, local news was their world news. Like, yeah. it was happening here, but it was everybody's news, and they were watching it, and we were living it. Yes. It was... Fantastic, right? So everything shuts down. People go home, locked up in their homes. In our neighborhood, you can even leave your house two at a time to walk around the neighborhood. You could only walk outdoors. One at a time. One at a time. Yeah. There's really no end to the crazy. But one at a time. We were those um, few who uh, 
um, walked two at a time outside, you and me. What? Just and waiting for those sirens to come yes. around the corner. <laughs> and our, our window, we have a big bay window in the front of our house uh, from our living room. And we would actually sit and watch, watch people walk two at a time. Please come through. It was mind-blowingly ridiculous, right? It was something. Yeah. So we're all home. Churches are closed. However you feel about that. Um, churches are closed. And what Ooh, does I know every- how I feel about it. You do, do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Was that a rhetorical question? Yeah, it kind of was. Okay. We can get into that a whole other time. But and everybody's like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. Well, what's the church gonna do now? Well, what's my pastor gonna do now? Or where is it gonna be broadcast broadcast for me to hear? How am I, I supposed to, to get consume, my news about Jesus? I have to consume my weekly message. <laughs> yes. And now more than ever, because this is scary. Yeah. So come on, pastor, do what you're supposed to do and live my relationship with God for me. Yeah. I think you just hit it on the head. Instead of a relationship with Jesus, it was a relationship with our church community. Yes. Which is a component. That's not bad. Absolutely. But that's not the essence or even the main thing of Christianity. It's a relationship with Christ first, right. then with his people, our brothers right. and sisters, and that's the secondary, love each other, you know, live in Christian community. But we had foregone the previous, and it was all about the community, the fun. I get to see my friends. I get to have some coffee. Maybe they have some jokes in the sermon. Maybe they play my favorite worship song. Then I go home. And when that was removed... It was shocking to the senses for a lot of Christians. Yes, yes. So our our relationship was with God. Our relationship was with Jesus. Yeah. And we learn from our pastors. We learn from teachers. We learn from evangelists. That's who we learn from. But they are not the foundation of relationship. And if they are the foundation, your relationship foundation, well, that's going to crumble just like it did in 2020. Yeah. All of a sudden, they had to get their faith out and figure out what they believed, how they felt, what they believed about God, and how they trusted God. And it was like, well, I don't know. Where's the pastor to tell me? <laughs> Where's the pastor to tell me how I'm supposed to feel about this? Yeah. And when you have a relationship with God, you know that, first of all, he he runs everything. He holds it all in his hands. He allows things to happen. I love, I just read in Psalm that it says, that he tells the waves where to stop and they don't they go no further mm-hmm. than where he tells it to go. Yeah. It's just so incredible. We know he sets up kings and he tears them down, he removes them, he sets up kingdoms and he removes them. He sets up um the world, right? And he allows things to happen, but he also has a stopping point for everything. Mm-hmm. And he uses everything. I've I've been reading through Jeremiah as well. I'm in my one year Bible, so I get a I get a good Jeremiah, I get a <laughs> Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm, and a Proverb. <laughs> And it's so cool because it, it kind of shows you the Bible is one story. Yeah. It's not a bunch of different stories. It's actually one story. But um, Jeremiah was talking about how God sets up everything. And over and over and over, he uses the the sin of this world and the tragedies and, and all the things that happen in our world to bring people back to him, Yeah, to bring people back to him. And so I was trying to transpose that over 2020. And you're thinking, well, did it? Did it bring people back to him? Yeah. Or did it make them 
run to the pastors and say, hey, fix this for us. Make us feel better about this. Make a decision for us. Tell us what we're supposed to do. Tell us how we're supposed to feel. And the problem with that when you do that is if the pastors are silent, what's going to happen? You'll just listen to the loudest voice. Yeah. Because your relationship isn't with Jesus. It's just with whoever can tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Whoever is the loudest, whoever has uh, your ear. And we saw a lot of that in 2020. So what happened when the churches opened back up? How many people went back to church? Not enough. Not enough. Most churches are still at half. Yes. And lots never reopened. Um, very few have gotten back to pre, um, if you want to call them, covid Right, <laughs> attendance right. numbers, um, and happily to report, there are a few, not many, that have actually exceeded their numbers pre-COVID, but that is not the norm. So again, when push came to shove, what we found was, like to your point, people coming back to Christ, realizing they had a need, there was a deficiency identified, the light right. was shined on it, they didn't go back to church for a solution when they were able, they listened to the loudest voice. Right. And there was a whole culture tribe of COVID evangelists. Um, there was a new cult that was birthed. Yeah. And people began to worship that. Yes. And that took their attention and their worship and their time in the form of fear and new rules and rituals um, that belonged to God. And that was that's the sad reality, because um, it, it should have been all about God. But for so many, um, it came down to the loudest voice. I think you hit it on the head. It came down to the loudest voice because we. It takes work to have a relationship with God. You have to open your Bible and read it. You have to trust every word that it says. You have to make a decision for Christ, even when it's hard. Yeah. And hard came. And in that moment, everybody subconsciously or not had to make an instantaneous decision on who they trust most. Yeah. And because we're Bible illiterate now, never should be this way because for the first time it is available at all times everywhere. Mm -hmm. We have the physical books in every form you can possibly think of, as well as internet and apps and everything else. We are bombarded with information, and yet we run from it. We're bombarded with having resources and tools at our disposal 24-7, and yet we prefer for everybody else to kind of package it for us and give it to us, and then when we're not happy with the package, then we decide that I don't want it at all, and I'm not going back to church, and I'm going to listen to someone else. Yeah. That is not a relationship with God. That is not a relationship with God. That is a one-way ticket to heaven. And in the Bible, it's so uh, crazy. It's crystal clear on your relationship with God. And it says, um, those who love me, obey me. Mm -hmm. And if we're not even willing to open our Bibles to figure out what it looks like to obey him, then there's no way that there's a love involved. Because love takes sacrifice. It takes time. It takes effort. And so we're not, we don't have this relationship with God, but I think on the other side of 2020, you have those who are like, oh, okay. I know nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm afraid and I need Jesus. And other people who are like, you know what? I don't like the way the church did it. I don't like the way pastors did it. Um, 
everybody else seemed to make sense. So I don't need church. I don't need that. I got through just fine without church, without going on Sunday. So now I don't need any of it. And God allowed this to happen to bring us back to him. And we can't allow our hearts to get hard and say, okay, well, I don't need this then. And God's like, wait, what? No, no, I allowed this so you would see me, so you would see your need for me, so you would come running to me to help you through this. Yeah. And reading the Bible is hard, right? I mean, you and I, that's what we do for a living. We teach the Bible, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? We do it as a lifestyle, as part of our calling, and also for a living. And reading our Bible every single day, like not not just like, okay, I'm just going to read a few verses and then move on with my life, you know? Okay, yeah. check mark, did right. it. I got my <laughs> points for today. I'm a good Christian today. God, did you see that? I hope you weren't looking anywhere else or looking at anything else that you <laughs> noticed. I did my thing for today. Not that, but actually sit and take it in. Yeah. Actually allow it to change you. Let it into your heart and your mind to start rearranging the way you think, the way you feel, the way um, you see God and who he is and his place in your life and his place in this world. Uh, We were talking about it um, sometimes during messages um, of other pastors. I I write a message. (laughs) (laughs) It'll spark something in my mind. And so I'll just start following that as I taught my son Bunny Trail. Our poor son. I say bunny trail, and he was out with friends, and he used bunny trail, and they laughed at him. And I feel really bad about it. That's just hateful. But not really. <laughs> it's really funny. So I'll go down a bunny trail. and Some of um, the listeners are saying, what's wrong with bunny trail? <laughs> I say it all the time. It's rabbit trail. <laughs> That's what grown-ups say. Just for the record. Except for our 24-year-old son who says bunny trail because <laughs> yeah. of his mom. He actually Thanks, came mom. home and was like, all he said to me was, thanks, mom. Do you know what you did to me? I'm like, wait, what? I, you just walked in. How did I do anything? I mean, five minutes, I could see why he'd say that, but really? Mm-hmm. And then he pulled out the whole bunny trail thing. Anyway, so I'm down this bunny trail, right? And I start thinking about reading the Bible and and my commitment to it and why I do it. And, um, and I realized it, it was so much effort for me. One, not so much that I was trying to earn God's grace or earn points with God, but I know it is a very important walk, a critical, you know, it, it, it is the most important part of your walk with Jesus other than talking to him, mm-hmm. praying. And, and so I, I have disciplined myself to make sure and do it, but I don't always want to. There's a million things we need to do, right? Mm-hmm. And that is separate from the studies I write, separate from the books I write, separate from the messages I write. That is completely separate. Those don't that time that I spend is just between me and God, not for everybody else. So I'm I'm thinking it through like why is this so much work? Why is it so hard? Why why? And then it just I mean it's like God just spoke directly to me. It's like because you're thinking of it all wrong. And I, and we talked about it. I thought about uh, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus learning, right? And that was a whole thing. Because yep. Martha was furious about it. The disciples are like, wait, what? Wait, what? What's happening here? But it gave us a perfect example and picture of what we're supposed to do. Reading your Bible is just sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. Yeah. 
just learning from him, just taking it in, allowing him to change the way we think and shape the way we think and feel um, what's in our hearts. But we don't have to sit there all day because sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, I only read a chapter today, so I am not doing well. You have to read at least what, like five, (laughs) four? The word count Um, equals I turned the page twice. Does that count? (laughs) Oh my goodness, I only turned the page once. I didn't even get through a whole page. Mm. We have this like guilt associated with it. But if we just see ourselves as just sitting at the feet of Jesus learning, and then when something uh, hits you between the eyes, that's what it always says, like hits you like, oh man, that's good. It's okay to stop there. Mm-hmm. Sit on that. Meditate on it. Let it absorb into your mind and your heart. And that way, when these 20, 20 years come about, <laughs> you have God's word in your heart. You know who God is and you don't need anybody else to tell you. You just get to celebrate Jesus with them. Yeah. You get to hear the message coming from pastors and be like, yes, that's so good. That's what I learned about him. Or I didn't see the scripture in that way. Or I hadn't read the Bible through that perspective. Or it's it's on top of, it's not in place of. Yeah. So it takes our whole thing of relying on pastors um, away mm. and brings it what it's supposed to be. It's yeah. supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be gleaning wisdom from what God has revealed to them, right? Yeah. Um, it also deepens our relationship with God. My goodness, how many times did we hear, why did God let this happen? Mm-hmm. Why did God? And I, it brings me back to, I'm in the process of writing another book, and this story's in the book, but our daughter, Nichelle, uh, she's in her third year of college right now. But when she was in high school, uh, her friends, they were having a, a conversation and one and asking each other questions, and they were laughing and having a good old time. But one of the questions got serious, right? And somebody asked, who are you more afraid of, God or man? And so everybody answered, and all of them said, God, most afraid of God. And Michelle said, man. They were like, wait, what? 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 Why aren't you afraid of God? And she said, why would I be? Why would I be afraid of God? He sent his son Jesus to die for me. That's love. I don't have to be afraid of that. Hmm. Mind blown. Yeah. Mind blown. How many of us would have said God? It's telling about your relationship. I Absolutely. Mean, I'm not afraid of you. Right. Maybe I should be. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> because I love you and I trust you. Right. But yeah, a lot of people are afraid of God. And they, I mean, we're, when, when the Bible talks about fear and reverence, it's talking about knowing who he is in yes. relation to who we are. Yes. But not afraid that he's going to squash us like right. we're a little bug under his boot. Right. He does love us and he only wants good for us. Right. And yeah, that relationship is, is key. Um, now that's a great story and everyone's going to be really excited when that book comes out. So <laughs> I, I better wrap this up so you can get back to writing. Uh, <laughs> but one of the other things you mentioned was the reliance on pastors. What, what do you think the role of a pastor really is and how did the pastors and attendees get it wrong during that 2020 time? Yeah. Pastors are teachers. They're teachers of the word of God. 
they um, God calls them, sets them apart for this. As they're teaching, uh, reading, studying, God imparts wisdom and knowledge to them and opens their eyes to maybe things that the rest of us don't see because they can devote time and life to this calling. So they're they're teachers. Second, they're shepherds. Now, not all of them are teachers and shepherds. Not all are, you know, you have some shepherds, you have some teachers that we, because there's other giftings in our life. Um, But the one common thing that all pastors have is to teach the word of God, to teach the word of God in its totality, in its totality. The good, the bad and the ugly yeah. in the Bible, right? Yeah. The hard truths, standing on those truths, not bending the Bible to fit culture, mm-hmm. not um, backing down from some of the things that may offend mm-hmm. uh, the Christian and non-Christian alike. It is to uh, correct. Mm-hmm. And they are not so much correcting from their own power, but from the Word of God. Yeah. So a lot of people mix that up like, who are they to say this? They're not perfect. Well, they didn't say it. The Bible says it. Yeah. And the same Bible that applies to your imperfections applies to theirs as well. Yeah. But just because they're not perfect doesn't mean they can't point out where you can grow closer to God by giving up the sin that the Bible says will put a wall between you and God. Mm-hmm. That's hard for people. Yeah. That's hard for people, but definitely a teacher. They're not in place of your relationship with God. They're not the foundation of your relationship with God. They're an addition to your relationship with God, an additional information, additional teaching, additional wisdom uh, that will further your walk. <clears throat> we always say with Mobilized, our ministry, like we're not the end game. We're not... Um, the you made it yay mm. you're not trying to make it to our ministry we're a cup of water mm-hmm. on your journey yeah in your race you're on your race and we're a cup of water to refresh you so you can keep going that's good but but we're not the the finish line and neither is a church and neither is a pastor they're a cup of water yeah should be yes but what happens when pastors start making decisions based out of fear instead of faith and the Bible. And I think we saw a lot of that. Yes. And and fear raised its ugly head, and you really saw the disparity between how pastors viewed fear and success mm-hmm. and how a, a church attendee, a Christian, viewed their fear and success. And a lot of pastors, their fear led them to circle the wagons mm-hmm. and finances mm-hmm. and security was now... I don't want to say the God, that's a little too harsh, but became the focus yes. rather than God and the Bible and teaching to your point of what their their primary responsibility is. So success was then gauged by, were we able to pay the staff and keep the doors open? Right. Because a lot of churches couldn't. Right. And for the Christian that attends church, their fear was, well, um, who's going to take care of my needs? Who's going to teach me? Who's going to visit me? I what's going on. I need someone to make sense of all of this. Mm-hmm. So they had different fears mm-hmm. and it their success was community, um, that shepherding. So there was a big challenge when you have a lot of pastors that are teachers, but not shepherds. Right. And shepherding wasn't happening. So church attendees and congregants weren't getting contacted, visited, um, 
everyone's running out of toilet paper and they're freaking out. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, my church should bring me TP. <laughs> and so, again, the, the chasm between yeah. what fear drove people to view as success was paramount during that season. And so, again, I think that's why the reliance on pastors for the ability and the strength and power to overcome your fear is probably misplaced. Yes. Um, it needs to be in God. It needs mm-hmm. to be in His Word and in the relationship. Right. And we found so many people fearful, which identified that their confidence in who could help overcome the fear was in a man. Right. Or woman, the pastor, mm-hmm. the leadership of a church. And so I think that was the critical point that really stood out to me why the reliance on pastors was misplaced. Mm-hmm. Not that pastors are bad. I mean, no. you and I are both pastors. Right. So, you know, we're, we're in that camp. We right. don't, you know, want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we know we're not the Messiah either. Right. And so you, you have to understand where it all sits in this journey of the Christian right. life. Um, and so the third thing you mentioned was our need for Jesus. And mm-hmm. that I think that's a great segue in terms of not letting the pastor take the place of Jesus. Right. Jesus is the be all end all. And that's mm-hmm. really the end game. He's the one living in you, through you, mm-hmm. through his spirit. And I love that even during that season, because of our discipline, our focus and our relationship with God, Mobilized had significant innovation. Yeah. We were quick. And I think that's what good leaders do, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I'm going to. (laughs) You can see trends sooner than other people. Mm. And we saw that people were really shaken and they were biblically illiterate. Those were two glaringly obvious things early, Mm -hmm. early on. I mean, you know, seven days to stop the spread, 14 days to stop the spread, 21 days to stop, 60 days to stop the spread, 120 days. You know, it's like, (laughs) when when are you going to see that something's, you know, a little off, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it was the very first time someone suggested that we shut everything down and not meet in churches Mm -hmm. that you and I had a discussion Mm -hmm. and you pivoted all of your energies for mobilized from what you were doing and the focus became biblical literacy, equipping people and empowering people to know their Bible, to know their God, Mm -hmm. know their enemy, Mm -hmm. and to be equipped and empowered to live this Christian life independent of a church. Um, Because we do most of our life outside the four walls of the church. So to rely on the hour you spend within those four walls a week for everything that's going to take you through every moment of every day of your life... I mean, if you just do the math, that's not really a winning statistic. Right. So the innovation that you had through Mobilize Her, um, the the way you started teaching, the different things that you started putting in place. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the other Facebook group that yeah. was a scripture memorization group, and yes. that started with just with no one. You said, right. "Hey guys, I, I see that people are struggling with knowing their their Bible." Let's just start memorizing a verse mm-hmm. a week. Mm-hmm. And you just started a private Facebook group and yeah. it grew to thousands and thousands yeah. of people that joined this group that were weekly memorizing scripture with yes. you. You were doing live broadcasts and we didn't know if anyone was going to show up, but we identified a significant need yeah. and you presented a viable solution to point people back to Jesus. Um, and I, I love that, that we can look back and see that 
we identified these gaps and we were that cool drink of water. And sometimes it's more than a cup. I mean, we were that camel backpack that you were wearing (laughs) as you're running with the straw in your face because you got to keep going. Right. And this is this is the marathon. This wasn't the sprint um, sometimes that our resources are able to provide. Right. And I love that you brought up success. And I think we can sit on that just for a moment. Uh, Success, we put the label of success on the things of this world. And we've also um, plastered it across the things of God. Mm -hmm. And success is one, a relationship with God and two, obedience to God. That's success. If we all define success that way, then this whole thing of relying on pastors, relying on people, relying on humanity to meet a need completely changes. Mm. When you realize that success means relying on God and then obeying God, everything else doesn't matter because you've already reached success. Now, I know, I know past that people lost jobs and livelihoods and <laughs> families needed to eat and have pay mortgages and have a place to live and cars to drive and all that good stuff. We know that for sure. So there was a level of panic there because success, uh, there was failure as far as they were concerned and their churches dwindling and yeah. shutting down. And, and that's a whole other thing. But God says those things will happen. Yeah. Trials and tribulations will happen, but take heart for I have overcome it all. And what he's saying is, if I'm in you and you trust me most, I'm going to overcome these things in your life. I'm going to walk you through these things in your life. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I haven't forgotten about you. But to take those risks and be not okay with them because they're hard and he knows that. We have real feelings. (laughs) And real worries, right? Mm-hmm. Real life things we have to get through. But he's saying, if you know who I am, then you know I'll get you through it. Yes. If you trust me, then you trust with your eternity. You would trust me with your eternity. But if you'll trust me with your day to day, I'll walk you through that. I will provide for you. I won't let you drown. But that all comes from knowing who God is, yeah. not knowing who your pastor knows who God is. Right. Yeah. Because I've said this um, before. Again, I'm going to say it somewhere, either one of my books, one of my studies, one of my podcasts, one of my blogs, I've said it somewhere. But when you listen to your pastor, what you're getting is a window into their relationship with God, who they know about God, who God has revealed himself to be to them. But you have a personal relationship with God, a personal walk with God. You have your own problems. You have your own struggles. You have your own hangups. You have your own weaknesses. You have your own strengths. You see God in a completely and totally different way because his relationship is customized to you, to you. And so if you don't get to know him and know who he is in your life, in your circumstances, you just have a window into the relationship your pastor has with God. Mm-hmm. So many times, well, well, we grew up in church, we're preacher's kids. We grew up in church. Mm-hmm. We've been in church our entire lives. Um, many, many years, six services a weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, 12, 13 years of six services a weekend? Mm-hmm. Multiple services a weekend now. We teach them all, all the good stuff. And we can sit there and listen to a pastor and be like, oh, that's what he thinks about God. <laughs> oh, Interesting. He said that because you know you're, we have a lot of experience with this, right? You know you're just peeking in 
to what God has taught them. Yeah. And all they can share from is how they've experienced God. Yes. They cannot share from what they don't know. Nope. And so if you don't have a relationship with God, then you're just peeking into someone else's relationship with God. Yeah. That's it. You have to get into relationship with God on your own, with God personalized to you. And that's what I love about God. It is so personalized to you. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you through your problems, through your struggles, through your fears, through your anxieties, through all of the ups and all the downs. He wants to celebrate with you and he wants to sit with you. He wants to do it all with you Mm -hmm. and not just watch you watch somebody else have a relationship with God. Because when hard times come, uh, you're left just peering into someone else's relationship and trying to pull from their relationship to make it work for you. Yeah. And he can't do that. It doesn't work. I've tried. I look in my neighbor's window and I say, I like that TV. And I try, but it, it's, it's theirs. I can only look through it with their experience. Yeah, it's theirs. But you're exactly. right. God, he, he wants to be your provider, your savior, and yeah. your friend. And it is personal. And and that takes the fear out. When you know him, then you know you can count on him. Just right. as in, again, I'll use us as an example. I can count mm-hmm. on you. Yeah. So it removes the fear. And... I mean, it says in Philippians 4.19, uh, our God will provide for all your needs right. out of his infinite riches right. in glory through Christ Jesus. Right. If you know him, those aren't just words and you think, oh, wow, that's great. You're like, yeah, he's got this. My provider, savior, and friend, he's got this. He's going to provide for the needs. He owns it all and he cares about me and I can trust him. And what you just did is a perfect example. You pulled from your storehouse, a scripture Hmm. that was just there. You don't have any notes in front of you. You don't have that scripture written down. You just pulled from what the Bible says, what God says, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. You pulled that. So the next time you face something, guess what you're going to pull from your storehouse? That scripture. God becomes very personal to you. Mm -hmm. And, And that's what we lost 2020. People didn't have anything to pull nothing from. Nothing to draw from. Nothing to draw from. Yeah. Open the storehouse room and it was Cobwebs. empty. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there was nothing there. So then they look, okay, pastor, do something about this. Fix this for me. Because in our churches today, me. we rely on the scripture to be up on the big jumbo yes, screens. Yes, exactly. And they've done all the hard work for us. Right, But, but right. God tells us, hide his word in our heart, yes. one, so we don't sin against him, right. but so that it guides us, it gives right. us confidence. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 critical. And you, you can't have a relationship with him without reading his love letters. Right, right. And if you choose to move forward without reading it, then somebody else gets to define God for you. Mm. And that's never good. That is never good. Yeah. Because it's not a one size fits all. Exactly. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. You can, we can each read a verse and something different stands out in the same verse. That's the Holy Spirit's revelation as he promised through his spirit, showing us something that we need to see, we need to learn, that we need to be reminded of. And that's how good he is. That's the personal component of a a huge, you know, all knowing, all powerful, everywhere at one time God that is personal to each one of us. Right. So don't, um, underestimate his capacity to be personal in your life just because of how big he is right? Um, and repeat the mistakes of 2020. Right, exactly. Um, it just sparked a, a thought 
Bunny Trail. Bunny Trail. <laughs> I, a while back or recently um, posted something that says, don't allow people who don't know God speak for him. Yeah. Don't let someone. You hear all the time politicians and people of influence and authority quoting scripture, and it actually makes me angry. Yes. I, I say, don't you dare. I'll mm-hmm. say to the TV, <laughs> yes. don't you dare <laughs> quote God. Don't you dare quote his scripture. Do not she deceive people. She runs up people. like Will oh. Smith at the Oscars, <laughs> slapping his, slap. his wife's words right out of Chris Rock's mouth. <laughs> Keep my God's words out your mouth. I have to say, sit back down. It's okay. It infuriates me. It infuriates me. Because we have to remember the enemy knows scripture. Yeah. He was there for it all. Yeah. He watched it all happen. We know in the desert he tried to tempt Jesus with the word of God, with his own words. So we know that we can't depend on... We can't always depend on people to speak scripture and use it in the context of the word of God. So we have to know our God and know our enemy. We have to read the Bible. We have to be able to pull from the storehouse scriptures Mm -hmm. and don't worry about, oh my goodness, I've read so much and there's no way I'm going to retain all of it and it's overwhelming and how will I even remember this one scripture? God brings to remembrance. It says that his word is alive and active in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. So he will bring those scriptures back. He will Sometimes I don't remember exactly the scripture, but I remember the gist <laughs> and it's enough yeah. and it's enough. God will bring that back to you. He's saying, put it in, yes. put it in and it will do its work in your life. So when we get another 2020 and we have another catastrophe, when we have another 2024, <laughs> as this year is shaping up to be, mm-hmm. um, we are not left defenseless. Yeah. We're not left uh, holding a butter knife and not a sword. Yeah. We're not left uh, alone. We're not left afraid. We're not left seek. We're not left seeking. Yeah. Everywhere outside of God's word, we know exactly where to go, who to go to, and that what He says is true. And his promises never fail, yes. and he doesn't lie to us, and he doesn't leave us, and he doesn't abandon us. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what the world looks like, no matter yeah. what 2020 comes our way again, that God always prevails in our life, because success yeah. is getting to know him and obedience. Absolutely. I love it. So get into a church. Don't forsake the coming together as some have gotten in the habit of doing, because the time is near. So get into a church. And open, open your, your Bible. Bible. <laughs> Do as Paul exhorted the, the church in Berea, because they would listen to the word, they would right. listen to teaching, but then they went home and they verified it with scripture. Yes. The Berean people were trust but verified. Yes. Ronald Reagan would have loved them. It's <laughs> probably where he got it. So yeah. trust open up verify. the word yes. and verify what you hear. Because as Nicole said, you're peering into someone else's relationship. That has its pros, but it has its cons. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're only human and it's not always right. Right. What I say is always right. But Obviously. what others say sometimes it's not always right. <laughs> so get into the Word, get a Bible, read it, get to know God through it, and sit hide it in feet. your heart. Sit at His feet. Just sit at His feet. Um, and then get deeper into a Bible study. Have some accountability. Because again... There's a, a reason why we have the education system the way we do, whether it be for church or, um, you know, our our basic elementary, middle, and high school, and mm-hmm. then higher education university settings, is you 
can't self-teach everything. Right. And so God mm-hmm. will reveal some things, but there's a reason why he said come together. There's a reason why he said let's have pastors and teachers who can dissect the Word of God and they can exegete the scriptures and mm-hmm. help you understand new gems of truth as, as well, well as, as old. old, as Nicole loves to say. Matthew. Um, but then you need some accountability and you need to sharpen each other, as mm-hmm. the Bible says, as iron sharpening iron, coming together, challenging, asking questions, accountability. And that's why I love what Mobilize Her is. So yeah. if you're not a part of the Mobilize Her membership group, go to mobilized.life and click Mobilize Her and join now. You are missing out because Nicole writes fantastic Bible studies delivered every single month to your inbox. And then there's live discussion groups with this exclusive group, but then she comes on and actually unpacks these with you and helps you walk through and learn at a deeper level than you can on Sunday morning. It's all important. So get into a church, open God's Word, and get into an accountability Bible study group, and Mobilize Her is a fantastic one. (laughs) But don't miss these steps so that we can learn from the mistakes of 2020 and have the best 2024 that God desires us to have. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in and listening to this episode. We'll catch you next time on the Mobilize Podcast. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Mobilized YouTube page and follow us on social media at mobilized.life on Instagram and at livemobilized on Facebook. For more information and ways to connect, visit our website at mobilized.life.